Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Hi folks, Taylor here with the warm-up show ahead of Celtic v Hearts at Tynecastle on match day 11 of this season's Scottish Premiership. I'm joined here for this one by both Miff and James. Some would say the Matt O'Reilly and uh, Aaron Moy of the show. I'll let you work out who. James, we've scored 10 goals in the last two games. Confidence is high. An easy win at Tynecastle? Never an easy place to go. Um, one of my favourite away ties, one of my most hated grounds, a poisonous place. Um, really always a, a kind of real edgy atmosphere at, uh, at Tynecastle, but we're on form and um, the guys are just starting to really click again after the interruptions of September uh, and just very much looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah. My f- form aside, Tynecastle is a, a tricky place to go to at any time, isn't it? It is, and, and whilst I'm, I'm not one for always comparing how teams play against us and against our rivals, I do think Harps have a particular zest when they play against Celtic, probably more so than than any other team that, that they play. Um, maybe obviously hips aside, but they, they seem to relish your visits to, to Tynecastle. And and in recent years, I mean we were we were lucky to escape with three points in the in the kind of January fixture last year or February fixture. But the, the one before that we obviously get we obviously get beat. Um we, we find that a difficult place to go even even under Rogers all conquering team. We found it difficult going there. But but this is a, a new team. The, we know how our team's going to play. There won't be any changes of shape. Um, th- there won't be any defensiveness going there. We're going to go there. We're going to attack, which then makes it down to to Hearts and, and how are they going to combat that? Are they going to fight fire with fire? Or are they going to sit in? So, all makes for an intriguing game. Um, but I, I still think as long as we do our stuff, we, we will come out on top. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough place to go to, but as James says, always want to look forward to as well. And and we'll see how Hearts do shape up come tomorrow. We'll talk about them in just a second, but it'll be interesting how they approach this one. Um, Andrew was giving his updates this afternoon, speaking to Sky Sports. So in terms of injuries, Jot is still missing for this one, and he's rated at only 50-50 for Tuesday night's game against Shakhtar in the Champions League. So um, he's obviously been careful with them, doesn't want to rush him back, and probably the right move. David Turnbull also continues to miss out, and we know longer term, uh, Carl Starfelt and Callum McGregor miss out. Your thoughts on that, Muff? Um, I've never known the, the, the bulletins to be so lacking in descriptiveness around injuries. Like you get told the absolute bare minimum of fans. I mean, it used to be you would get told specifically what the injury was, and then a, you know, like an expected timeline. And just just feed, feeding the media, you know, the bare minimum of, you know, because at first it was a bit of muscle fatigue, I think, for Jota, which would suggest that you would only miss the upcoming game. There's been, from what I can gather anyway, there's been no further update 
uh, given on on his and the, the specific nature of his injury. Um, and yet here we are. He's missed. Well, that'll be what three games he'll have missed mm-hmm. when he was withdrawn in the what game was it? He was withdrawn in. He came off at half time. Mother. Three games ago, he came off at half time. Um, so in any case, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just kind of highlighting the point that Ange doesn't seem to be wanting to be being too specific on on the old day injury front. And the same same for Turnbull as well. I know Turnbull was ill, come back, and then seems to have picked up another niggle again. Did he do it in the warm up? I think did he do it in the warm up this time? Um, training was it not? So you know, but but I think for the, the way that the squad operates, big big misses for the squad. You know, Turnbull and Jota would both be guys who would be utilised to some form. Um, in, in these games, but ultimately, what was shown in the Hibs game is that we've got we've got a squad there and we've got a, 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 an available squad there that's more than capable of going and getting three points. Yeah, I don't mind Ange keeping his cards close to his chest too much in terms of injury. You know, obviously as a fan, you're always intrigued as to what the the state of play is. But if it maybe just keeps a wee bit back from the opposition, then then I'm okay with that. And it, you know, it might be able to surprise maybe a Shakhtar on Tuesday night by starting Jota, for example, or, or anything of that nature. So I don't mind too much, but obviously uh, we're keen for these players to be fit and available just as soon as they can. James, a win against Hearts would move his five clear at the top, at least temporarily, until David Martindale's Livy go to Ibrox for their customary zero points in the three o'clock kickoff. Um, including this game, we've still got seven games to go between now and the 12th of November five of which are league games and two of which are Champions League. It's a busy old time, isn't it? It's a busy time. They're managing it very well so far, I would say. Um, it's something they've been planning and preparing for since the start of the season, knowing that this was coming. So I'm very happy with the progress. Obviously, Europe could have been a wee bit better. We know that. We've discussed that. But in terms of uh, league, they've, they've come back to form really well. So... I think the preparation and the rotation of the squad is, has been excellent. I don't see as much rotation tomorrow. Um, just things like you know Moy probably keeping his place, which you know we haven't seen of late. But uh, Cal McGregor being out creates that opportunity. So yeah, it's be a strong squad tomorrow, even with some key key players out. But that's that's the work that the guys have been doing all the way through the summer and even you know January to an extent as well. Last January. And these guys, like we said before, Bernabe, Haxabanovich, really, and Moy, to give him his due, they're new players in this squad and they're really starting to embed themselves in. In terms of Hearts, they're on what I would describe as quite sketchy form at this moment in time. They're currently seventh in the league on 14 points, having won four, lost four and drawn two of their 10 games so far. They've lost four out of their last five in all competitions and haven't actually won a game since beating Motherwell 3-0 in the league over a month ago on the 18th of September. They've got some long-term absentees as well. So Liam Boyce is out, good player. Craig Halkett, you know, steady part of their defence. But they've also added experience to their ranks with Robert Snodgrass, who's come in, and he joins the likes of Shankland up top and Barry Mackay. Math, as I'd mentioned, difficult ground to go to, and they do have some quality amongst their players. Yeah, I think Hearts, um, I think I mentioned this before, maybe past um, podcasts or, or, or pre-matches that, that we were looking at. Hearts, um, a lot of Hearts fans that I know feel that they, they, they've went into the season short in terms of numbers, that they need more bodies to be able to compete effectively. And I think those stats that you've mentioned there probably justify that. You know, Regardless of how good their squad is, they would have massively missed boys and Halkett. 
those are two integral players to, to Hearts in the way that they want to play. Um, so even if they had added numbers, I, I don't think they, they just can replace two, two experienced and quality players like that. Um, I like him. Um, I've always liked Ginelli at Hearts. He always seems to play well against us, although Hearts fans are always cursing his inconsistency when I speak to them. I always ask how he plays um, when they're playing somebody else. They find him really inconsistent, but um, I watched Hearts game against Riga over in, over in Latvia, and, and Ginelli was outstanding in that game. Um, he, just, he just always looks quite sharp, but probably the reason he's playing with Hearts is he's maybe only doing that one in every four games, five games, when they need someone that's doing it, you know, week in, week out. They've still got a strong squad. Um, I think seventh's a false position for them. I think just the fact that they're fighting in so many fronts is what will have held them up um, this season. You know, the, the beatings that they've taken in Europe, quite draining ones, they've been chasing the ball in those games. You know, can imagine that if they're then using this repeated same amount of 14, 15 players, it's going to take its toll. That said, um, one team I'll never really have too much sympathy for is Hearts. So it would be very nice if we could uh, if we could just hammer in on that at, at the weekend. I expect us to be you know fresh, fit and firing, and uh, coming off the back of an excellent one on, on on Wednesday night, where the guys that come in more than upheld their end of the bargain. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, you're right in what you say in terms of seventh being a fairly misleading position for Hearts. So they absolutely are seventh, but they're only three points behind Hibs who are on 17 points in third place. So it's all pretty neat down there below Celtic and Rangers. Um, James Miff's mentioned the the result and performance against Motherwell. So, you know, good night on Wednesday night, good result. Uh, do you want to gloat at the moment about calling the, the 4-0 scoreline correct or do you want to do that later? How, how do you want to play that? My style, Tino. You know, we're, we're all professionals here. I'm sure you Miff will get one right soon enough. Yeah, eventually. You're a modest man, James. Um, but yeah, based on the fact that Ange made five changes for that one, but still kept the, the performance levels up and obviously get the, the very good result. Do you think he'd be tempted to make further changes for this one or will it be much of a muchness in terms of the, the 11? I'm just going to compare and the kind of squads I put out. Seagrass will drop out, we know that. Um, Hart will come in for him. I think Taylor will retain his position. Jens the same. O'Reilly the same. Um, I think it's Jack and Marcus instead of Kyogo though. I do. I think it's uh, for him. It's his kind of game, you know. A lot of kind of pushing and shoving and bullying and stuff like that. He loves all that. Um, and then having Kyogo to come on for the last half an hour and terrorise him. Yeah, I built for that. Yeah, sounds about a deja vu though, James. You and I had the chat before Motherwell, and we <laughs> spent a bit of time talking about Motherwell's all set up for Jack and Marcus. He's the man in form. He's scored three goals in two games, and lo and behold, Ange goes the other way. He made a a point on Wednesday night of keeping Kyogo on for the full 90 um, as much for his confidence as anything and it paid off with Kyogo getting the goal uh, with about 15 minutes to go who do you think he'll go for tomorrow? I think he'll go Giacomacchus um, just for all the reasons that, uh, that, that James has stated um, Giacomacchus was particularly good against Hearts at Tincastle last year I know it's had, you know things have moved on since then but Physicality is the, the very least that you expect when you go to Tynecastle and play against Hearts. So, um, having Jack and Marcus in the team allows us to stand up to that. We aren't, we aren't the tallest team in the world, it's fair to say. Um, so, I think he certainly adds to that in both boxes. But, yeah, I, I, I think Moy, Moy, Kyogo, and, and Seacrest will be the ones to drop out. 
Yeah, so I'm just scribbling as you're chatting there, Muff, and I've I've got what I'm quite sure will be fairly close to the team. You can tell me both you lads can give me your thoughts on anything different to this. So obviously Hart will come back in goals. I think Juranovic will play it right back with Taylor at left back. It will almost certainly be Carter Vickers and Jens in the centre. O'Reilly has been doing very well in the number six. Will stay there and probably be joined by Aaron Moy and Rio Hatati up ahead of him. Abada, fresh off his two-goal performance on Wednesday, will likely start right wing. Jack Amakis possibly through the centre and Haksabanovic to the left. I'll come to you first, James. Do you see anything different than that? The exact same. Every single one. Yeah, great minds. What about you, Miff? Uh, I think either Forrest or Maeda will start on the left and Haksabanovic will go central and Moyle will drop out. You think so? That, that's an interesting one. Yeah, and I, and I don't think too many folk would be disappointed by that. That's what, that's um, what You've had your thoughts, Miff, on, on Aaron Moy, and I know you think at times he can be quite pedestrian, but how do you think he's done the last couple of games? I think he's shown up pretty well. I think you're, you're seeing somebody kind of played into form. Listen, I'll always be biased against somebody that's bold, and that's my that's my problem. That's not his. That's fair. Well, it kind of is his problem, to be fair, but you take my point. Um, I just think he's he was always quite slow anyway, going back to when I watched him playing in England. You know, he was never the most dynamic. But I think the year in China pro and the age that he's now at will mean that that process of getting him up to speed will just take that bit longer than maybe others that have joined and, and looked him far. Uh, the wild card in, in all of this is Amogard, who come on again and, and is probably pushing for a start in the sense that, you know, you would imagine by now and just probably got him up to up to match fitness or what he deems is pretty close to match fitness. So that, that might happen as well. But in terms of Moy. Listen, I'm just really, really happy for him because he, you know, he's come in, he's worked really hard, and he's starting to show bits of the forum that, that obviously had him with, with some got or earned him some good moves when he was when he was in England. Um, the the performance in, in Wednesday night in particular was one that actually showed a lot more his game in terms of invention, and he was making runs in behind the defence, stretching the game. Showing that he's he's more than capable be capable of playing in any position in the midfield, and dare I say, I think the one that suits him the least is the number six. That's a really interesting point because I think as he's getting fitter, he's getting more involved in the the attacking side of what Celtic are doing. He's certainly, you know, assisting more. He's playing some very clever through balls, whether it be on the deck or lifting it over the top, um, and he's certainly playing his part in terms of what Celtic are doing in an, an attacking sense. I think as well, James. He's. I mentioned this about Haksavanovic and, and the point stands. A guy like Moy would really benefit from getting a goal as well, just for his confidence and, and to really feel part of what's going on. Yeah, um, maybe slightly less so than Haksavanovic because he's it's less expected of him. I'd expect it more of Haksavanovic, but you know, all players apart from Greg Taylor apparently like scoring goals, um, so it, it wouldn't do many harm. But my only concern for Moy in a game like tomorrow is the pace of it. Uh, there's no time to think, there's no time on the ball at all and he can be a wee bit ponderous so just watch him for get, getting caught in possession, got in possession uh, there but apart from that, he's on form, he's playing well and he's feeding into the, the creativity so I think he does start, that's just with a slight concern on ball retention Yeah and if he does start, I think this will be his out with the European stuff, certainly this will be his biggest test to date and if he can handle it in the, the hostile environment and the, the high tempo that Tynecastle brings, 
then I think he should be able to deal with anything else that Scottish football can throw at him. So a big test for him if he plays. I think he will play. Uh, I hope he does, and we'll see how he goes. Regardless, you know, of whether Moy starts or Haxabanovich is in there, what we do have in reserve, Miff, is a lot of hungry players. So Jack Amakis might get his chance tomorrow, but he's he's chomping at the bit at the moment. As 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 Abelgard that you've mentioned, Bernabe's come in and showed what he's got to offer. And I've mentioned in a couple of recent shows that Gucci is now part of the squad again. And it's got to be a real positive for Celtic that there's various guys just so desperate to impress and ready to come in and take their chance when they get it. Absolutely. That's the that's the one of the, the major features of, of Angie's management is that gone are the days of the fixed first eleven and being a permanent fixture in there. I think, you know, if you look at the Angie's behaviours towards his team selection, keeper in the centre half, so he'll try and keep keep consistent. The rest will change. And and it's maybe just our mentality that has to go with that. You know, we, we do these things trying to predict teams and you know, almost trying to second guess the emotions of the football players involved in these squads around starting some games, not starting others. I'm pretty sure they, they know the deal before they're signing in the dotted line before they play for Celtic. You know, they talk about Jack Amakis leaving just before the transfer deadline, apparently not happy because Keelgood started the first three games and things like that. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's managed in-house in terms of minutes played, expectations. Like I say, the, the, the kind of analytics boys will have the the minutes played and you know the amount of treatment they'll have received and and things like that. We 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 only see you know we're checking Twitter an hour before kickoff and match day. We see what the team is, but the, the team the teams for each game are probably already pre-planned long before that, based on the amount of minutes that are dished out to each player. Obviously, things will happen in a game that mean you need to deviate for that from time to time. But that's why we've got the numbers we have in the squad, and I, and I think it's been clear to see. I, I, you know, I'm not a huge stats man myself, but how many players would we have used already this season? I'd imagine it would be a fair number. Well, 20. Good 20 question. You know, oh, you, you guys, like, guys like McCarthy, um, who, who have played, I mean, McCarthy's probably played more minutes than I, I would have thought he would so far. I, that's, again, probably due to McGregor being injured, but we, we do have that strength and depth, and it's been fully utilised, and, and rightly so. Yeah. There's a quote that was doing the rounds a few days ago from Ange. I'll try and dig it out for next show, but he was basically talking about there's so much more information that he and his backroom team get access to that that us as fans will never see, you know, in terms of sports science and performance-related data and, and all these different things that a modern football club has at hand. So Ange is making decisions based on so many factors and all we can go on is, is what we see on match day and the odd glimpse of what you maybe see from a player on social media, you know, I was up the bowling last week. I'm I'm feeling good and all that kind of stuff. So we've got limited information and we'll make best guesses. But you've got to trust the manager. I think from everything he's done, we do trust Ange and the way he decides on on how to pick players. So I think we've got to put our faith in him that more often than not he's getting these ones right. Um, we can't fail to mention that VAR makes its debut in Scottish football this weekend. So. Uh, it'll go live for the very first time tonight. So Hibs are at home to St. Johnson. I'm going to have half an eye on that one and see how it plays out. James, you had mentioned something, and I don't know how true or not it is, about different grounds are, are um, capable of showcasing VAR in different ways. Obviously, the likes of Celtic, we've got the big screens and the infrastructure. You would say that would apply for Ibrox, Tynecastle, Pataudry. But smaller grounds have got less cameras, less angles, and and maybe not quite as 
um, adept at, at handling this kind of technology. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be an uneven playing ground at times? This, this is where you can go wrong. You know, let, let's not prejudge VAR and, and do it down before it, it starts kind of thing. But at the same time, we want to have it done professionally. It's, it's all been approved by FIFA what they're doing. So every ground's obviously going to have a screen for the referee, but not a screen for the fans. I mean, even Celtics, you know, whatever they are, 1990s screens would struggle a wee bit. So, yeah. see, remember at St. Johnson a few weeks ago? That was where Jota came off at our time, by the way, my uh, St. Johnson a few weeks ago, um, I was looking at their 1980s scoreboard, you know, the wee kind of, the LED kind of thing, and I thought, how are you going to show an offside on that? Uh, so the, the answer is they're not. So it's things like that. If you're doing it, do it right. You know, go and spend the money for a, you know, five grand, ten grand screen, whatever it is, at the grounds, roll in at the cost, get a sponsor. They've started looking for a sponsor now instead of having the sponsor ready day one, things like that, just the, the general maladministration of Scottish football but the consistency is the concern, so offsides at one, offsides at one side of the ground are going to be having certain camera angles and offsides at the other are going to have different instead of the same positions and things like that so let's just be positive and hopeful despite spending three minutes slaying it there <laughs> um, I also don't know where you'd get one of those big screens for five, ten grand James, you seem to have a a contact somewhere if you're able to get something for that kind of price in this day and age. But Jumbo, yeah, a jumbotron, a jumbotron. So I think it'll be. Uh, listen, I, I suppose the the frustration is it's going to be a bit of a learning curve and learn as you go in Scottish football. If I watched a, a wee video piece today, I think it was uh, Gordon Duncan from Clyde that was narrating it, and basically he's talking about the the four situations or the four type of circumstances that VAR will get involved in when it comes to Scottish football. So number one, it's straight red cards. Number two, it's penalty decisions. Number three is whether a goal should or shouldn't stand, i.e. based on maybe a foul or, or an offside in the build-up. And number four uh, is in the case of mistaken identity when it comes to yellow and red cards. What could possibly go wrong? Well, I mean, the VAR's... VAR's in, the way VAR has been interpreted, you know, the English Premier League's the obvious... A one that you look at because that, that's the one that's had it for longer and, and the one where you've got the, the largest body of evidence to, to assess it on. Um, how VAR started off in an English game was probably a bit overkill, but it's evolved now to be used a bit more efficiently. You see a lot of things going to VAR and, and the game's back in play before anything's even been reviewed. You know, the, what the, the Sky cameras or the BBC cameras aren't showing anything and it's just a case of you know, not it's been reviewed, it's checked, but we're moving on with the game. I think that element is sped up, sped up a wee bit. Um, even how long they're taking to decide the offside seems to have sped up a bit. So I'd imagine we're going to have to go through a very similar um, and painful uh, process as well, unfortunately. But uh, listen, it, it is what it is. I I would have rather um, delayed it until we were in a position where. For example, what James mentions there about number of cameras, angles, I think that should at least, as a bare minimum, that, that should be consistent in every stadium. If you can't achieve that, I would then, I would then question the merits in, in having VAR in place because, you know, it's just like the thing to, to miss something very basic. Is it right that something can be a penalty at Ibrox or Celtic Park but can't be at Dingwall? I, I don't think so. 
Yeah. One thing's for sure, it's going to be interesting and it's going to bring up a, a lot of talking points. Little did I think I'd be sitting in on a Friday night watching Hibs at home to St. Johnson, but but here we are. So we'll see how it goes. And I'm sure us and Paddy and the guys in the show will be chatting about it a lot in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, to bring things back to tomorrow at Tynecastle, James, so you called 4-1 on the weekly show uh, back on Monday night. Has anything happened in between to change your mind on that? Obviously, a very convincing 4-0 against Motherwell. Are you sticking with the 4-1? Yeah, I'd stick with 4-1, I would say. Um, you know, Hearts will come out all guns blazing. Um, notable Alex Cochran's come out and said we're going to be kicking you up and down the park and taking our bookings on the first time his team plays under VAR. That's interesting. Mm. Um, so we'll see if there's anything comes of that. If if they do end up being the first team to lose a man to VAR with a red card, that could be more than 4-1, but I'll stick with 4-1. Yeah, I think Nick Walsh is the referee tomorrow and our old pal Stephen McLean, having had a howler last week, you know, in the Celtic game uh, as the, the VAR official tomorrow. So hopefully we're not talking much about him, but I wouldn't be convinced. Muff, I think you called 2-1 in terms of your scoreline. Where are you at? Well, happy, happy. Keep that. I mean, the, the one thing I see, and just been quoted today, saying that VAR won't have any impact on on the players or the managers and how they approach the game. But given that Stephen McLean's the VAR assistant, probably maybe recommend to the players not to beat a man in case you get a foul given against you. Yeah. I think Ange, as he always has done, is trying to or, or making sure that he doesn't create an excuse culture for anything. So he's saying he won't prepare his players any differently. They've just they've just got to go on with it. They've obviously experienced it in some of the European games that they've played as well, but I don't think he's looking for excuses and that's just the way he operates. So as I say, hopefully we're not talking about officials after this game, but there is a, a solid chance that we, we might be. Um, I called three now uh, at the top of the week and I'm going to stick with that. I think Celtic are back in confident mood following the 6-1 last week at Hibs. And the four 0 during the week. I think the players are they've just lifted themselves back to where they they had been uh, before the kind of disruption that James mentioned in September. So yeah, I'll go for three 0 and we'll see who's right and wrong in the the next twenty four hours. James, I'll come to you first for your final thoughts on this one. Same as it was on Wednesday, really. Um, the opportunity to build momentum there, and this really starts to consolidate that. If they can pick up a third convincing win. Then they go into the what was it five more league games before the World Cup, including tomorrow. Um, they would go into those last four games, you know, in real confidence, real form, because we need to need to finish that strongly. And you know, there's every chance there could be points dropped across the road. So yeah, let's get back to it. Yeah, including tomorrow, uh, we've got five league games ahead of the World Cup and those two Champions League games uh, against Shakhtar and Real Madrid. Muff, your own final thoughts ahead of time, Castle. Uh, yeah. As always, you know, slightly apprehensive before Ten Castle just because it's historically a tricky fixture, but also very excited. Excited because I feel there is a real momentum behind the team. Um, whilst we're missing a couple of important players, I think the players that have come in have shown they're more than capable of going to Ten Castle and getting a result. So, really excited for the game um, and and very hopeful that the three points, and I'm, I'm sticking with my two words. So Celtic head to Tynecastle, looking to extend their lead at the top of the table to five points, but won't have it easy against Hearts and a hostile home crowd. We'll be back with you shortly after the final whistle in Edinburgh to give you all the post-match reaction. But until then, from myself, James and Miff, thanks for tuning in.
Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.